was sunken in and cut off, sunken into your soul because it's cut off from the life of God. And so there actually became, in a sense, a sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. There has to be now, and the word of God plays a great role in this, a separation of the spirit and the soul. Until there is an actual separation, the soul, because prior to regeneration, the spirit was sunken into the soul, the soul in effect was dominating in a dominant position, and unless there is that separation, the soul will continue to dominate. That's what it means to be a carnal Christian. This doesn't sound encouraging, I know. But if you're like me, we all were exhibiting that pattern of behavior at some point in time. It is crucial for you to understand who you are. John, verse, John chapter 3, verse 6 says this. I love the Bible because it is so simple and plain. Then it says this, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. I could not write it any simpler and clearer than that. In the legal world, there are things called a bright line rule. It's a clearly defined standard that you know exactly which side you're on. That's like that. So the key question and the more interesting question that you always have to judge as a normal everyday Christian is this, what exactly is spiritual? Because even the term spiritual can be super spiritualized and we can have vague notions of what that means. Well, I feel spiritual today. I did some spiritual things. And the Bible tells you exactly what is spiritual, which is that which is born of the Spirit. So using that diagram, or looking at that diagram, you can see, well, if we can just sit down and have a coffee table chat about this, and I were to query you and say, did that thought arise in your mind, is that spiritual? Good question. Because as you can clearly see, the mind is part of your soul. And the only question now becomes, where did that thought come from? That will determine whether it's spiritual versus not. What is spiritual? Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. What is spiritual is that which is born of the spirit, period. And much of the human endeavor in this thing called the normal Christian life is for us to work through and understand, cooperate, recognize the voice of our Father. That's what spiritual is. Now, there is a war and you enlisted, and there's something called the battlefield. And what I want you to understand, again, to have you understand the true battlefield, you just have to understand the context of what life was like before you were saved, before regeneration, and what life is like after. And before regeneration, as I say, you just have to understand 
what was and what is and now what can be. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, it says this, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Before regeneration, before salvation, the enemy exerted significant control of your mind. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says this, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all, all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. This is what it looked like before regeneration. Man's intellect, his mind, his thoughts, his thinking, was under the influence of the enemy. It was literally blinding you from the gospel. It obstructed you from apprehending the things of God. This is not controversial. This is what we all were like. Romans 8 verse 7 says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It is hostile to God. We exhibited that. Your mind was under the influence of the enemy. It had content seeded by the enemy. And the only way out was for the light of God through the gospel to break in, at which point regeneration was possible, that belief could happen. That is a miracle. I don't know if I can fully appreciate how big of a break that was, literally, when everything that was in your mind stood opposed to the things of God, everything that the enemy had seeded, constructed in the philosophy of this world was designed to blind you, and yet God, by his spirit, broke in. And saving faith could now happen. And you were now regenerated by the spirit of God being a deposit sealing you. See, the definition of repentance is to actually change your mind. That's what repentance is. So I went through that not to have you reminisce about the good old times prior to regeneration. I didn't tell you that for that reason. But I wanted you to understand that that is the situation that you lived in, thought in, and existed in prior to being saved. And once you are saved, I don't think it's controversial for me to say that the believer's mind is not totally liberated from the touch of Satan. I don't think that's controversial at all. I think that would be almost expected that the way he operated as a measure of control in your life and in your thought process didn't all of a sudden say, well, I can't touch him anymore. I don't think that's the way it is. 
See, as the enemy worked in your mind prior to re regeneration, the enemy today will seek to work in the same manner in the believer's mind. This is his process. So what is the battlefield now? I think you know what the battlefield is. The battlefield is here. It's in your mind. This is what Watchman Nee said in describing this battlefield. It says, man's will and spirit are like a citadel which the evil spirits crave to capture. The open field where the battle is waged for the seizure of the citadel is the mind of man. That, my friends, is the battlefield. Picture it. Picture the citadel in an open field. And the whole desire of the enemy is to capture the citadel. The citadel literally means little city, and it's the final refuge of defense. And the enemy will absolutely begin to wage war, building strongholds to overcome the citadel. That is the battlefield that you and I are engaged in, whether you want to believe it or not. It's war. It is. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, it says this, But I fear, lest somehow as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. That, my friends, is the battlefield right there. The objectives that ultimately are sought to be obtained is corruption of the mind and the potential for to another Jesus to be preached. Clayton already was preaching about this Jesus plus. That's another Jesus. There's a different spirit and a different gospel. This is the battlefield. So, understanding the attack is essential. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This has been a topic of what has been preached over the last season, but I want to focus on two things. Because you have to have an understanding of the battle that you are in. Arguments and high things. Arguments are very simple. Imaginations, reasonings, thoughts, high things, antagonistic exaltations. You are way more familiar with this topic than you realize. You may not fully realize it, but you're way more familiar with this because of where the world is today. You see, there is a general adage that people believe that what you think about is the most important. 
The problem is you think that that's true because you thought you had a choice of what you were thinking about. Normally you would expect that out of all the things I'm going to think about, I'm going to pick the one, I'm thinking about the things that I most value that are most important to me. That's why that adage, that's why where it came from. But today, influence and persuasion are driven by behavioral science. And the entire game is for me to get you to think about what I want you to think about. Because if I get you to think about what I want to think about, then now that becomes the most important. This is the world that we live in, and it's not about me railing on social media or anything like that. It's way beyond that. What I want you to understand is this, because we're talking about spiritual warfare, we're talking about the battlefield of the mind. I know that this is the way influence and persuasion are run by. I understand the impact of behavioral science. This is not art, it's science. I've studied some of it. I find it interesting. I do personally find it interesting. But the thought that inevitably crosses my mind is where did these ideas come from? And is my personal opinion that many of these ideas originate in the thoughts of the enemy, because that's how they've conducted business for thousands of years. If I can get you to think about what I want you to think about, I will set you on a path where you get to the conclusion I want you to get to. And you think that that's the most important thing. See, temptations, because we are all familiar with temptations, and many people actually have this misconception that just because I had a temptation, somehow I'm bad. No, that's wrong. Temptations are just thoughts. Temptations are thoughts that gain entry into your mind, and the only question is, what do you do with it? If you agree with it, act upon it, speak it, now there's the potential for sin to arise but the mere fact that you had a thought is not sin. Because you understand that your mind is the battlefield, is it, no, is it any surprise that the thoughts that are coming in are, are seeking to build a stronghold in your mind and from there they're gonna launch an attack on the citadel? Simple math. Bill Johnson said this, I think he was quoting Francis Frangipani, he says, any area of your life that does not have an excited expectation of good, in that place there is a stronghold where a lie has been believed. I could almost say that everything I said up to this point was for you to understand and parse out that very sentence. And there's an internal diagnostic that you should now be launching into, I bet you can't help yourself now, of thinking through what you actually believe, areas of your life that do not exhibit hope, which is defined as this joyful expectation of good. And typically, where there's despondency, there is, in a sense, a relinquishment of all hope because you just don't see that there's any possible way this, this area of your life is going to change. In that area of your life, a lie has been believed and a stronghold is now forming. Oh, it's war. And that attack is going upon God's people every day. 
strongholds. Rebellious thoughts are housed in strongholds and they need to be taken captive. And if you're like me, you're probably asking yourself, oh, how do I stop thinking what I'm thinking? I mean, it really is a conundrum because I'm seeing it in your faces. Because the problem that, look, it's a tautology, I get it. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. Because you're telling me the battlefield is in your mind, the thoughts are lies, and how do I get it out of my, how do I think, I, 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 I don't get it. You're right, you can't do it. What exists in your mind, it is only by the Spirit. We read Hebrews 4.12, it is by the Spirit of God, the Word, living and active, by which you can begin to separate the things of the soul and the Spirit. That's the only way. You don't fight your flesh with your flesh. That's not going to work. It is by the Spirit of God. And the renewal of the mind is essential. I can pretty much guarantee to you that one way not to get anybody excited is to tell them that the path of spiritual progress is to read your Bible. I think Ken would agree with me on this. Because Ken's probably preached that very idea thousands of times. And out of all the things Ken would preach about, I'm sure that wasn't received with the highest measure of applause, as great as Ken is. That's false humility right there. No. I jest. To split, to divide your soul from the spirit, to prevent your spirit from being sunken into your soul as it was prior to regeneration, and for you to stop operating as a carnal Christian out of the flesh, the word of God is essential. This is not exciting news, and you could tell me, Dwayne, so you're telling me I need to read the Bible. Yes, I am telling you to read the Bible, but let me explain something of the Bible. The word in Hebrews 4.12 is logos, and most people you know, when they think of receiving a word from God, they think about the now word. They think about the word that is like the active word. They don't think of logos, which is the written word. But if you just believe the Bible, the, the Bible is basically saying that logos, the written word, is what enables you, is living and active. It penetrates us to dividing soul and spirit. That's the way it works. And why is that? Because it is a standard by which everything will be judged. You may not have the fullest understanding of everything you read, but everything that you're thinking is going to be judged by what you read. Because that is the standard. 
And this is not something that you do just on a fortnight and think everything is going to be fine. Truth builds upon truth. Understanding builds upon understanding. There is a transformation that you will undergo simply by the renewal of your mind to distinguish what is of God and what is not of God in your mind. You see, we like this part of it. When in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That sounds so awesome. A sound mind. And what that word means is saving the mind. And this would be a topic of an entirely other set of messages. But there's a lot of conditions in the mind that we need saving from. And I'll give you some examples. First of all, it's the unrenewed mind where lies exist. That's the one we're primarily talking about today. Lies exist. Strongholds have been created. There needs to be renewal. There is an improper mind, and this can result from habitual sin. What takes over your mind are things impure, certainly not of God. There is a mind open to suggestion, because the enemy is speaking all the time, and all he seeks is agreement. Many people love prophetic words. There's also things called false prophecy. An agreement with the thoughts of the enemy can usher that in. This one is, there's a blank and a passive mind. And all I'll say about this, because these are very related, there's much that goes on in the world today that is designed, and spiritual things, by the way, designed for you to empty your mind. That is the exact condition of exiting the battlefield that the enemy desires. If you exit the battlefield by emptying your mind and having a blank mind, he is free now to roam and take charge. It is by your spirit that you have knowledge. It's through your mind that you have understanding. And God always has your mind engaged to understand what he said. It is never the case that your mind is intended to be passive where understanding is not possible. We need to jump. Keys to renewal. Let's get to some very practical things. This is basic training, basic training. So what I'm giving to you may not seem exciting, but it is essential because this is what is going to enable you for the rest of your life to fight in the battlefield that I just hopefully illustrated for you. It's the word of God, first of all. I'm going to repeat this. And I'm trusting that it will be received by you. The word of God is essential. It is key to your renewal of a mind. If I can just tell you, and this is just something I will say to you from experience. I don't make a business out of counseling people or talking to people and reviewing things that they just want to talk through. 
in my experience over X number of years talking to people, and many times they have a legitimate issue that they're trying to work through, a problem that needs to be overcome. Quite commonly what I've found is that the issue and the solution that is there for them relates to an error of thought. And what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is this. There is a sequence of thoughts that people go through where they arrive at the place that they now are at. Just a sequence. This thought begets that thought, that thought begets another thought. My feelings, my emotions are dictated by what I think. And oftentimes, and I trust God in this, oftentimes what I found is that there's usually one point of departure. That's where truth, that's where the word of God comes in, where there is a point of departure that caused them to go and spin off into a different direction, thought beginning further thoughts, error compounding error. But it oftentimes boils down to one juncture. And the challenge, of course, is to identify that by the Spirit of God. But oftentimes, that singular point of departure is based upon a lie that does not line up with the Word of God. And don't think these are super spiritual things. Some of the things that I talk about that there is a departure relates to simple things like God loves you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And the errors of reasoning that is, that is based upon the opposite of that verse compounds. And the word of God discovers your condition because it is a continual standard by which your thoughts have to pass through and be judged. You see, we talk about Hebrews 4.12, it's a very oft-quoted verse, but the first prior is very instructive because it was Hebrews 4 follows Hebrews 3, yep. And much of Hebrews 3 is talking about the promised land and entering his rest. And Hebrews 4 verse 11 says this, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. The word of God is the vehicle by which, and diligence is required, the word of God is the vehicle by which you will enter that rest. And if you don't want rest, then don't follow what I'm saying. You have to fill your mind. Second thing, second key to renewal. See, very basic. Strong in spirit. Strong in spirit. In Luke chapter 1, verse 80, it talks about John the baptizer. It says, so the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. In Luke chapter 2, verse 40, Speaking of Jesus, says, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. 
most people are quite infatuated with what John the Baptizer and Jesus did as their ministry started, but not much thought has been given to exactly what transpired in these periods of time, which the majority of their life, when they became strong in spirit. I know it was true that the word of God was a key for that. We know that because Jesus was debating in the temple much before he started his ministry. But we already know the word of God is important, and you believe that. To be strong in spirit might sound very complicated, and indeed there are many facets to it, some of which Ken and Clayton have already talked about. But the spirit leads the soul. Sons of God are led by the Spirit, which means that the Spirit must lead the soul. So if I were to say to be strong in spirit, what I'm also saying is that the flesh, your soul, cannot be in charge. I hope you just would accept that statement. And I gave you an example of fear, something in the emotion. But you know, the enemy... In, in Romans chapter 12, it says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Please understand that the whole desire of the enemy is to get you to conform to the philosophies and doctrines of this world. To actually have you in your mind conform your thinking to worldly wisdom by the prince of the power of the air. He is purposely and intentionally trying to have your thoughts be molded in conformance to his philosophy. So your rational thinking cannot rule the day. I'm, leave, I'm gonna leave you this, with this key you know, because I've, I've thought about this a lot to try and give you something that was as simple as I could develop, but also some of my experience in my walk, because that's all it is. We all have a journey, and we all have a history, and we all have a walk with challenges. But what I found, what you had in the diagram is the parts of your spirit is your intuition, your conscience, and communion or fellowship, which is worship. And worship is a key. But this particular form of worship, which we actually did a little bit of this morning, it's worship through prayer. And what do I mean by that? Because when I say worship, most people think, well, I'll put some worship music on, I will sing, I will dance, and that, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But when I look through your life, and it's like, you know, how... What would be some of the, my suggestions of things that I've actually tried to do to actually develop strength in my spirit, which means that the soul must now be put down. My, strength, my soul, spirit has to take a dominant position. Oh, that thought comes out about fear and anxiety, that feeling of fear and anxiety, all me coming up with all the reasons why the prophetic word that God gave to me cannot happen. It's easy for me to identify why it's not possible. And I have to shove all of that down 
of my rational thoughts of how I think things are going to work based on my physical sentence and my natural, natural rational mind, all of the feelings of fear and anxiety of why I should be fearful because the world is telling me to be fearful, how do I shove all of that down into a position of submissiveness to my spirit? Because that's a challenge you face, that's a challenge I face. And somebody has to be in control here. And if your soul is in control, you have a problem. And this is about as normal everyday life of a situation that we all experience. And the most effective thing I've found over the years to, have, to grow in strength in spirit is worship through prayer. And what does that look like? What do I mean specifically? I'm trying to be very practical here. When my mind rationalizes and thinks of all the reasons why it cannot work as God says it's going to work, when the emotions rise up of this looks really bad and the anxiety is rising in the first thought as I wake up at night, and in prayer, my words to God has to be, but Lord, you are God. And I trust in you. I worship you. You're my Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Worship through prayer, I have found, builds strength in your spirit because it forces your soul into submission. And you might have a lot of thoughts about what it means to be spiritual, but it is that to me. That when by the spirit of God, you now put down the works of the flesh, that is strength in the spirit that's going to be developed in your life. And you're going to need that. Because the enemy desires to capture the citadel. Your will and your spirit. And he's desiring to set up strongholds to attack the citadel. And have your spirit be subjected in submission to his philosophies. That's his play. So, I'm going to pray, and if you would, just close your eyes. Lord God, we trust in you. I thank you for every plan and every purpose and every sense in the spirit just by prophetically and by encouragement that you've put into your people. I thank you for that. I thank you for your love, that there's not one day that has been a surprise to you in the events and what has transpired in our lives. You are God and there is no other. And I just thank you just for your heart for your people. 
how you intercede, how you love, how you cherish, how your very thought is for your people, and we worship you. We worship you. And I just pray that your thoughts would reign, that by your spirit that you will speak and it's only your voice that will be heard. I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Duane. I want to thank you for coming. Uh, if you did visiting and you fill out that card, if you please drop it off in the back. We are going to have a ministry team over here. Uh, ready to pray for anybody, and they're very good-looking and waiting to pray for people, so don't be, uh, don't be shy. And I did have uh, two words of knowledge for healing. If you have a, I think it's a problem in your first or second vertebrae, somewhere in that region, please come up and get prayer. Or any problems with the ear, please come up and get prayer. Otherwise, have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next time. Good morning, Free Life Church. We are glad you're here. If you are visiting in person, please stop by the Connection Corner in the lobby to receive your welcome bag and learn more about Free Life Church. A member from our Connection team will be there to answer any questions you have. We look forward to meeting you. Check out our upcoming events happening in Kids Place. You and your little ones will not want to miss these activities packed with joy. On July 28th, there will be a Kids Place roller skating party in Percival. On August 4th, bring your kids for a drive-in movie night here at the church. And on August 18th, spend a day of fun at the Ida Lee Aquatic Center. Our senior youth also has a time packed with fun. On July 24th, they will have a pool party and roast s'mores. And August 8th through 10th will be the first senior youth retreat. Don't forget to check our events page to learn more about the current outreach and volunteer opportunities of local ministries that partner with Free Life Church, such as the Percival Cares and Hope event and the Back to School Fiesta. You can also participate in the Back to School Fiesta notebook drive located in the hall at the front. If you would like prayer, please fill out the electronic form or drop the request in the connect box. The prayer team meets here at the church every Friday at 11 a.m. to pray. If you are interested in joining the prayer team, please contact us at prayer at freelifechurchva.com. For more information about all of our upcoming events, please see the events page on our website. Thanks for tuning in.